It's Friday lunch here in Boston, and it's time for another Agile Marketing Podcast. Roland, you want to kick us off? We have a great guest on the show today named Charlie Treadwell. He is the Senior Digital Director at Symantec, and he also happens to be an Agile Scrum Master and all-around great guy, so looking forward to dialing him up. Hey, Charlie, are you there? Hey, guys. This is Charlie. Hey, Charlie. All right. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so let me kick us off. Why don't you start off by just introducing yourself, sharing a little bit of background and how it is that you came to Agile. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the the Senior Director of Digital Marketing at Symantec, which is the largest cybersecurity company in the world that most of your friends have never heard of. Um, so I usually have to educate people by telling them I work for the company that owns Norton. Previously to that, um, I worked at Cisco, and before that I was actually a, an art director. Um, I'm actually a classically drained, trained art director. I have a bachelor's degree in fine arts from CalArts. And I had a brief stint in the agency world before I moved to Cisco to manage some creative teams. But while I was there, I decided to go get an MBA. And I was managing a creative services team and came across Agile. And Cisco paid to have me certified as an Agile Scrum Master. And I started using it to manage our our web development and our creative content development processes because it just helped us to prioritize all the requests that were coming in and it was really overloading the teams. And I think that in general, just my odd combination of a BFA and an MBA gave me an appreciation or still has, I still have an appreciation for creative process and business processes at the same time. So I've been always willing to just tackle agile. So you have that left brain and right brain thing going on. I do. And the funny thing that I learned a couple years ago was that they don't work at the same time. <laughs> you can, you can, I, you can turn one on and then you can turn the other one on. But when you try to switch back and forth, it doesn't work. And I actually discovered that quickly when I was actually managing um, a bunch of really complicated budget spreadsheets and doing some analytics. And then I had to jump into a creative project and actually build web banners for our website. And I just couldn't get the creative juices flowing. <laughs> so you're a you're a guy with a strong creative background in a comp two companies, our last two companies full of techies. Yep. Yeah, so I'm particularly interested to hear your perspective because a lot of the folks that we talk to on the podcast that are coming to Agile are actually coming from a, the technical side. So I think you can represent a, a slightly different perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's where... That was kind of the hard part because where I really was trained was at Cisco and that the approach for Agile was really towards engineering. And so it was this very strict model of Scrum, right? And I kept trying to apply that into uh, my digital team or my social team and my content teams. And it just kind of like, it was just too rigid. A lot of the tools we would try to use, like Jira, was just way too cumbersome. And I started talking to some pretty progressive agencies who were implementing Agile within their agency management process. And I started to kind of understand, like, you don't have to follow the dogma of Agile, especially in this new world of marketing where none of us have a clue exactly what's working or not. I mean, we're taking an Agile approach to what is Agile marketing. Can you share what your Agile process looks like? Right now, it's, it's really focusing in on pulling a small team together of cross-functional people. I manage digital, so that's paid media, social media, email, SEO, SEM, webinars, and digital strategy. And then we also have a separate team that's a web team that's heavily using Kanban. And we'll pull in a small team of five or six people with a digital strategist running the team kind of as the scrum master. And we'll start out by doing an ideation session for like three, four hours and really build out almost like what the epic ideas are for the campaign or for the project and get people's kind of cross-functional ideas going and really kind of build out like what do we want to do and then we'll actually build that out into 
not really user stories, but we call them user stories, but they're really just the list of tasks that we want to achieve. And we spend more of our time on what the acceptance criteria is. I tend to find marketers get really lost in the concept of a user story. I think for you know user experience design and, and engineers and product developers, it's much easier to focus in on it. And it's actually much more critical. But I think marketers just they just don't understand the concept. And so it still tends up tends to be like this list of tasks and deliverables, right? You talked about the fact that the Scrum method that you were using at Cisco was maybe too prescriptive and that you stripped it down in the context that you're currently working in. Can you share a couple of practices that you see as really necessary, though, or foundational that are part of what you're doing now? The concept of, of having a roadmap and milestones, having daily, if not at least weekly stand-up meetings with your core teams. I like daily, even if it's just getting everybody together on a group chat and doing a quick round robin. You know, what'd you do yesterday? What are you doing today? Do you have any roadblocks? I found that that increased communication in both in-person and virtual teams became extremely critical. Being able to build out, you know, epic user stories so that you could guide sprint planning and having the idea of a sprint planning session doing an actual stand-up each day, and then getting into the demo and the retro are really critical. Because I think a lot of times when marketers start to get into Agile, they think it's just about deliver, 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 and they don't take that time to stop and look back. And so making time for those, as well as the planning, is really critical. I think the, the last one that I think has been critical since I started Agile was a backlog and the concept of a well-groomed backlog and prioritization. Being able to take people and show them the backlog when they come to you with an urgent random request and say, here's everything we're doing, right? Take a look at this entire list in the priority and you tell me where in this list you think your work goes. And it's always amazing to, to make someone actually think, oh, wow, I'm prioritizing my urgent request over something the CMO asked for or something that is business critical. And it makes people just be a little bit more collaborative about, you know, the prioritization and the requests that they have. Or you can stick it in the graveyard for it to die, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I joke about. I have a, had a colleague. We used to always call it the graveyard because it so so often it was that exact that exact behavior that the urgent task came in. We had that principled conversation about who what thing they were going to move, and they couldn't figure out what thing was going to move, and then it went and died because, of course, two weeks later something even more important popped into view. It's funny in our prioritization, we always used the whole must have, should have, could have, won't have classification, and I. I actually ended up deleting the won't have category um, because it was like, if you know you weren't going to have it, why are we even wasting time putting it up here? And it actually became the could have category, which was kind of the graveyard. And we never wanted anything to get to the could have category. Yeah. So give me a sense on each each given sprint. You said it's a cross-functional team. What percentage of the team is consistent from sprint to sprint? Like what percentage? It shifts. So we we have, in my team, we have three digital strategists. And the digital strategists are kind of the, the scrum leader and or the scrum manager. And they're actually kind of pulled in and out on different projects. And so as we kick off a project, we'll establish a, a lead person from each of my functional teams, like my social team, my search team, my email team. And we tend to try to break them up. I don't want to get to a point where we have these pods that can't function without each other. And I, I do agree that there's benefit of having high-functioning teams that have come together, but I also think there's a lot of value in bringing new people together and new ideas so they can solve problems in different ways and they're not always trying to apply the same old tricks. Well, depending on the length of the project, a lot of times it'll be a one-month sprint and something like 20 days or so with some planning on the front and the back. 
And what we'll actually do is a sprint that's usually heavily in focused in exploration, um, development, and then there will be a following sprint or two that is really around execution. And then if the project is just kind of moving into run mode, we'll usually break the team apart and then they'll move on to the next task. And we can have as many as three agile projects going at a time. I was going to ask that question because I was wondering in parallel, you, you can't have, it's not, and that's maybe one of the main differences between software development teams using agile and marketers. Oftentimes we marketers have multiple concurrent projects and the developers are, have one product that they're all hands on deck jamming on. Yeah. That was always the hardest thing. Like I, I, I know there's huge value in like taking one team and putting them on one idea, but in, in marketing, that's just not reality. Like we all have to do so many different things and wear so many different hats. And in some cases, I have one person doing social, for example. And that person in some cases has to be on two or three different agile teams at one time. Or there's times when we even have to say, there's no social person on this project and someone else maybe has to step in and and represent that role. Yeah, so that begs the question. I think what you're implying there is that these cross-functional teams that you've built are virtual teams and that these people are you know, they, they do have a primary role that, you know, may be ongoing outside of the, the, the Agile team that they're working on. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. And this is something that I definitely hear as a real, real challenge for marketers to find what the right balance is there. You know, in my own experience, I think there are some situations in which I have been able to not have a virtual team, but actually have a fully dedicated team on a fairly large standalone project. And I think the one question that I have as we try and scale Agile into the enterprise or larger companies is do we need a change at a leadership level that where basically what we're talking about is if we move to dedicated teams more, then it's really a restructuring of the marketing organization. Mm -hmm. And so how important is it that we, you know, have the flexibility to be able to move away from virtual teams in some contexts and just build a, a, a full-on dedicated Agile team? I think it's critical. I, I think you'll never, you, you'll never get away from all of the, the pitfalls that will come back at you from the traditional structures. And when things get really hard or really busy, people tend to fall back into those things. One of the, have you guys ever had anybody come talk from HubSpot? and how they kind of run their marketing team? We had Mike Volpe on the podcast about okay. four, four years ago, and he spoke, oh. at the, he spoke at the Boston Agile Meetup. And I think where you were heading with this is, he said the bigger they got, the less agile they became. Yeah, it, I mean, that, that becomes really difficult. And the one thing that I loved about what they did, though, is they rethought their structures of their, their teams. They, they actually started looking at having you know, a, a brand and awareness team a top of funnel team, a middle of funnel team, and then like mm-hmm. a retention engagement team. And that's like a very different structural way to look at how you organize teams. And it, it can be a permanent structure versus a virtual structure. Another way of sort of another lens of we could use to look at this is that I, I think that there might be some correlation between the degree to which Agile is making its way into the marketer's world and the willingness of leaders to actually build those dedicated teams. Like, I guess in my view, what I'm saying is, I think when we start seeing marketing leaders having more openness to and receptiveness to the idea of building these actual agile teams and not forcing marketers to build virtual teams, that's when we'll sort of, that is a sign that it will have sort of really made its way into the marketer's world. Leaders will have bought into it and then it will start down the road of sort of getting to 
to a mainstream adoption? Personally, I think the, that is only going to happen when practitioners like ourselves get to that level um, because I tend, I tend to experience marketing leaders think that agile just means faster. And anyone yeah. that thinks that agile just means faster is never going to really understand what it is. Yeah, it's the what I refer to as little a agile. Just do do it, <laughs> just do the same, but just do it faster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I oftentimes I respond to marketing leaders when I get asked that question a lot. Isn't you know isn't the whole purpose of agile to be faster? And I usually respond to that by saying, well, if you're talking about getting to product market fit faster, yes, but if you're talking about you know getting a more amount of work done in the same amount of time, no. If you do the right things, or if you do the things that are most relevant at that time, so I've always been a proponent of it from a transparency standpoint because it eliminates the vice president of sales or sales lead coming over and said, I've been asking for this for eight months now. And I used to, before using a lot of agile, that was always in, because I've been in startups, that's always been the rallying cry of the heads of, head of sales. And I, now, whenever I get that, and I do get that occasionally still, and it's the old, well, you were in the sprint planning meeting two weeks ago, and you were in it six weeks ago, and you were in it 10 weeks ago, and you were in it 14 weeks ago. Yet it wasn't a priority for you at any of those meetings to bring it up. So I'm not sure how you can argue that point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've had that conversation so many times. <laughs> it's a killer. It's a killer. And also, yeah, and I think that coming back to the HubSpot story, they did this thing called a science fair, which I thought was pretty interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where they would, at the end of each sprint, they would go and take up a, one of the larger meeting rooms and they would have little tables in each part of the team would have their own table and people could walk around and ask questions because there's that other syndrome which Mike Volpe did a great job of referring to and we've all seen this where everyone in the company is a marketing expert mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things that this the, the hyper transparency of a, an agile approach brings is it gives everyone a chance to comment at the planning stage when things are being done. And I still get comments in my company. You now we're 25 people are pretty tiny, but I still get questions along the way from random developers and in road offices about stuff. And it's great. It really is great because people will say, what is this again? And it's, they'll often, the, fun, the strange connections you get from people who aren't in marketing, but have some insights into the market that it, without that transparency, you'd never see. I actually think that you don't have to be in marketing to, to be a good marketer. I think that everybody in the business is going to have great ideas. And I think, you know, going to your comment about content marketing, I've actually found that marketers are the, the worst ideas of content marketing or the worst ideas for content. The best ideas come from your customers. They come from the questions they're asking either online or they're asking your salespeople or they're asking your support staff. Like those are, that's the content you should create. And if you don't get out of marketing to go talk to those people and you're not going to actually get those great ideas. You're just pointing to the fact that Agile really thrives on feedback, right? And we need to go out of our way as marketers to modernize even some of our traditional practices, research practices, and make them more adapted to the sort of fast pace of ongoing iteration. Absolutely. So can you take me through, you heard I wrote down three to four hours in your planning process, pre-sprint planning process? Yeah, so no, that, that's an ideation meeting. So okay. we'll do three to four hours for kind of a true ideation meeting where we get everybody's creative juices flowing for a little bit. And then we really start to do a couple of the kind of the ideo type brainstorming sessions, refine the ideas and kind of vote on, okay, what do we want to implement? And then do some, even some prototyping. When we do the planning, that's, that's at least half a day. 
when we're actually taking a list of all the tasks that we have and then we're starting to estimate what the task time is going to be or the amount mm-hmm. of effort and then ranking those and building them into a sprint plan. That's at least a yep. half a day, if not a full day. So I'm glad we went back here because I actually had a follow-up question a little bit. You talked about the challenge of writing user stories, how they often are tasks. But you also talked about the fact that there are these epics, which are these overriding sort of arcs or campaigns, whatever you want to call them, that tie together a bunch of these tasks. One of the things that I think marketers struggle with, in the same way that you talked about struggling writing user stories, is figuring out what the right balance is between something that's an epic and something that's a task. In other words, how granular should those tasks be? And how do you tie them together into an epic? Do you have a like a rubric that you use to figure out how deep you drill into those tasks and break them down? I think in the past, I've always looked at breaking tasks up as small enough so that they can be at least something that can be finished in a sprint. I think in general, you like to get them down to something that maybe people can even finish in a day, if not at most a week. Otherwise, they can just drag on and on and it's very hard to actually complete a lot of things. So we don't get down to like these really, really tactical things like I need to write tweet number one, tweet number two, tweet number three. It, it can be as simple as I need to create the copy that, that goes into our Twitter strategy, right? Um, that's kind of probably as small as we'll get. How we link them together, and it's just a simple sticky pads on a, on a whiteboard process where we look at putting the epics across the top, align all the, the tasks for the user stories below them, and then in, that also helps us understand, do we have these orphan tasks? And if we have these orphan tasks, do they actually fit the strategy that we're trying to achieve? Or is there something missing that we need to kind of figure out that we can apply? I guess it makes sense for you where you've got program kind of driven, project slash program driven stuff. Being in a startup environment, I guess I have, and I run the whole marketing team. So I've got a a few epics that we, we work through in each sprint, but I also own the whole marketing team. So there's always these stray things like the orphans. That's a good word for it. I mean, I certainly have more than my share of orphans. That's amazing, really, how much time you spend between the ideation and then the sprint planning. I mean, you probably, compared to traditional waterfall approaches, you know, having spent some time in at Novell, and we had a pretty heavyweight planning process as well, which was, you're not necessarily saving a tremendous amount of time from the planning process, but maybe in the end, you're becoming much more effective. It's being more effective. It's spending more time to deciding what we're not going to do. And I also think that it provides a an ability for us to reduce a lot of the waste that comes out of just thinking you know everything going into the process. That's always been my biggest pain point with Waterfall is, okay, we're going to create a plan. We're going to figure out what everybody's going to do. Everybody's going to tell me exactly how much time it's going to take. And we're going to start with the launch date and back up from there. And so everybody's underestimating just to squeeze it in. and, And it just never seems to work right. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up the topic of estimating. Uh, This is another thing that I think is perennially hard for marketers to do. I'm curious, you know, you talked about the the fact that you are doing estimation. I I don't know if you're using planning poker or practice like that, but I'm sure our listeners would love some insight into, you know, how you manage the the estimation process. You know, I originally, when I first started doing Agile, we tried looking at a point system because we wanted to get away from the idea of, of hours or days. But I, I found that that's one of those things where you're taking marketers who are just, they just have this idea of waterfall and a launch and a campaign buried in their head that they can't get rid of. And they need to be able to write things down in a sense of, 
you know, it'll take me a couple of hours, it'll take me a couple of days. And that's usually what we'll, we'll tend to do. And then I also try to remind people that there's not actually eight hours in a day when it comes to when, when it comes to working. Sure. Yeah. So. When we do our sprint planning, I definitely will we'll count the days and the hours. And we've been trying to size based on hours. But the first time we did it, you know, it's the classic, you, you forget about shrinkage and, and stuff like that, where, you know, we, you, you, you forget about, we forget about things that come and go and transient stuff. So it's exactly what you said. People, marketers are not great at estimating. And my unscientific sizing approach of hours and tasks seems to be, you know, I have a pretty good sense, but I, and I hate to say it's like psychic sense of it, but you can size things by hour, rough size by hours and how many tasks and what do you know, the law of averages seem to work out for mm-hmm. us over time and everything always seems to regress to the mean. How do you I, do it, Roland? I use Asana with my team and we put in, well, I personally put in hours with um, the tasks that I use, but I sort of, I have this dream that I, it's a blog post that I really need to write up about a service where people get to estimate their hours and then services like Asana have some integrations with third-party services like Harvest that do time tracking. So what I'd really love to do is have a, have a situation where you could estimate that task, you could track your time against it, and then individuals could get feedback about how well they're doing yeah. estimation. And I think that the reality, I'll tell you, I, this is actually, I think, one of the unique skills that I have just as an individual. I am pretty good at estimating the time it takes to get something done. I don't know where that comes from. I just it, I, I just happen to be good at it for whatever reason. But I've noticed that a lot of people that I work with who really struggle with it, if they get that feedback, they get better at it. Mm. I think it's just one of these things where you need to be exposed to, as, as Frankie pointed out, like having that honest perception about, hey, he, wh- how many hours do I actually get to work in the day? And just really walking through as you're sort of actually doing a, a project, being pretty conscious about your time and tracking it makes you a lot more acute when it comes to looking at a new project and saying, here's how long I think it's going to take. So we don't do this consistently with my team today, but it, it's I actually see this as an opportunity for some of the applications that support agile practice like Asana or Tre- Trello. Trello, I'd, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see them integrate a system where I could get that feedback or provide that feedback to to people on my team. I think the biggest challenge for us is always I, I whiff a lot on uh, big tasks. I'm doing a, a user conference in, in August and we're trying to select a venue. Well, I, did, I make the venue selection one task. Well, the venue selection is, is a site visit and there's a building a list and there's a whole bunch of tasks. And lazily, yep. we put it select venue as the task when I really should have broken it down more. And yeah, it, it certainly makes certainly makes the time tracking a lot easier if we had a smaller array of tasks. I, I tend to agree. I think if that that starts to happen, you're you're creating too big of tasks. Totally, you break them up. Totally. So I like that. I like your rubric of saying if I can't do this in a, in a few hours or a day, I need to break that down. That's yeah. a good. That's a good idea. Signal. Yeah. So I, I actually do something for myself, and I, I kind of have implemented it with a couple of people on my team, but I created a, a process. I think I got it from a blog post. I'll have to look where it was, and you can put it in the notes. But it was this idea that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define what my three weekly outcomes are. They're going to be my three top priority tasks. And then every day I get up, I build a list of what are my three top, top tasks for that day. 
And it can't be something that I can't get done that day. I've got my list of things I have to get done this week, but I have to do those three things. And there can't be more than three things. Either if there's more than three, I know I won't get them done, or they're too small. And I, sh- and I should actually pick something bigger to put on my list. Because there's other stuff that I know will get done. But like the big, like i got to check these off today. And I'll get to the end of the week and I'll stop at the end of the week and look back at my, my three for the week and say, did I achieve the three things that I was trying to do? And that helps me break down things from, okay, this is a bigger thing I have to tackle this week that may have multiple steps. And this is something I have to tackle today. Is this too big? And I think people tend to do that. And if you realize you're not getting it done, you're, you're, you're just not breaking it down small enough. Well, Charlie, this was awesome. I think we could go on for about three or four hours today. <laughs> Absolutely. As this was did. a lot of fun. We've been, I, didn't, I didn't actually get to my, uh, my case study, which we could maybe do at a future date. But my, my favorite case study of Agile is actually like my biggest failure. Um, and it was uh, about a year and a half ago when my CMO tried to task me with running Agile in the entire marketing organization globally. And it was an ignominious failure. Wow. <laughs> and everything that I learned about what doesn't work or how not to do it, I learned from that approach. Well, how about this? <laughs> Maybe like two or three weeks out from now, we can try to schedule you back and fill in the conversation with just talk about the case yeah. study because I think that would be really excellent. We've got some other folks who... You know, maybe we could do some retrospective rolling and bring on a couple of our return guests on a short speed round to see how people are doing. Agree. Absolutely. Yeah, Charlie, we'd love to have you back. This was a great conversation. Thanks so much for your time. Well, just as a reminder to people listening to the podcast from far away around the world, uh, if you have a story to tell, you're really interested in sharing it, please let us know. Please reach out to us. You can reach out to Roland at, uh, at rsmartly on Twitter or myself, Frank Days, at Tangy Slice. If you like the podcast, if you love the podcast, we are on the world's largest podcast directory. Okay, I'm going to say iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. We, we're always glad. We love we love the feedback, positive, negative, or indifferent. For people out there who I've been talking to, friends of The Slice and others that I've talked to, thanks for the feedback. It really keeps us motivated to go. And for everyone, have a great day and stay agile. <laughs>